0: yes sir what is up everybody this is educating nerds podcast live edition a little bit messy but hey you know we're all feeling ourselves we're all living it up and whatnot. Want to thank anybody tuning in. It is a late night edition, but we are here nonetheless, uh, just doing some Twitter stuff. Um, Another week of your boy being sick. We are catching some strays lately. Um, Real quick though, if you are um, watching on uh, Twitter, uh, you know, Facebook or Twitter or Facebook you're on. I got though. We have we're on my Twitter, Twitter and Facebook, as well as the for frequency sake, Facebook, leave a comment, uh, all that stuff, Um, questions. We're going to talk a bunch of different things. We're going to talk week uh, and week five, week five, week 15 NFL. We're going to discuss some other stuff. I also know there's a chance that not many people are going to be in for the live interaction, but if you're, up scrolling late night social media platforms, there's a chance that this could be something that you tune into. So, uh, we'll also talk a little Western Big Six basketball at some point because just some thoughts as we get into the Christmas break. Only one Big Six team playing a game this week um, before we get to um, the holiday tournaments. By the way, for those watching live, your boy is representing well. This is going to piss some people off, but bucket. I like to I like to spice things up. uh, I'm doing some Twitter promotion. So we are uh, about to get set, about to get ready to roll. Let's get it on. So there's uh, we're going to talk a multitude of some of the games today or from Sunday We are going to then, we have another NFL eulogy to get to. We technically have to un eulogize a team, and I don't know if that's a word, but we're going to figure it out. And then we are going to get our, uh, like I said, we're going to do some Western Big Six stuff, and then we're going to do our Week 15 NFL Elite Eight. Not too much movement, just a little bit for the week. Let's get it started. Um, Let's start yesterday in Dallas, or excuse me, in Jacksonville between the Jags and the Cowboys, and there's plenty of ways that you can start at this game. A lot of people, because they're either casuals or because they are cynicals or they just don't understand the game, they're going to want to just look at this and be like, oh, it's a Dallas thing, and Dak, blah, 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 and whatnot. The reality is Dak made plays, and Dak made good plays late. The the throw he made at the end of the game to or in the late regulation to Brown to scoot out the end zone, roll left, and, and hit him in the uh on the front corner was really good and so is life. They the defense did not play well. We'll get to that all that in a moment. But the biggest thing in this, and people need to people are gonna go way too quick and just walking by it. But I fucking told you people that Trevor Lawrence is one of those dudes. And we are already at the point where there is Outside of Patrick Mahomes, there there are there is a short list of guys that you will take over him for the next decade. There's a short list: Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Herbert, Lawrence, Fields. If you don't have one of, I'm telling you right now, you're think you're gonna think I'm fucking crazy, but I am a thousand percent right on this. Herbert, Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Lawrence Fields. If you don't have one of those six, you better have a defense that's great. You better have an a uh, defense that's great. Look at the Niners. Look at the Cowboys to a degree. You better have an offense that's great. Look at the Vikings right now. Look at how the Eagles have manipulated. Their defense is great as well. You better have some sort of thing that can complement some other stuff. Because, yeah, Hurts is good. Hertz is really good. You could even throw Hertz into this co- this this group if you want. But those six dudes sooner or later in a short period of time by uh probably this time next year, they're the six best dudes at the position in the world. Yeah, you heard me. Lawrence is one of them. And what we have seen from him, he's been the best quarterback in the league for the last 6-5 weeks. Go look at the numbers. The numbers speak for themselves, but I'll do this one better. Go watch the tape on a game-to-game basis. He's not per se dragging this team, but he's making damn sure that this team has a pulse on a week-by-week basis. Look what he did against the Ravens. Look what he did versus Tennessee. Look what he did down 27-10 to in the second half against the Cowboys. And all he does is deliver. but it's the jags they're not sexy it's jacksonville they're, they've always sucked not not any more man that team's going to be around for a long time and it's because they got they got the long hair pretty boy and i'll tell you what the long hair pretty boy is a motherfucker because he's coming he is a re, he is the real deal we have to start talking about this too by the way the jags might make the playoffs what they've got ahead, you can't... Now, with the Jags, you can't just start chalking wins up because once you start doing that, then all of a sudden it gets murky. They are still in the business of, you know, they're in the middle step. You're learning how to win, and they've learned how... To, they've they found ways to win some of these games lately, but they control their own destiny. They control their own destiny, given the fact that they beat Tennessee last week. They control their own destiny. All they have to do is win one more game than the Titans do, and they're... and they make the playoffs because they're only one game back now. Titans are seven and seven; they're six and eight, and they play each other week. Uh, <clears throat> what week eighteen? Uh, it's all to play for. It is all to play for. It's crazy how this just flipped on its head. But the Jags are rolling. They're one of the better. They are one of the hotter teams in the league over the last six weeks, and it is because of Trevor Lawrence. Now let's take a look at Dallas because people are going to want to say there's a lot wrong. Dak was okay, not great. Made a couple de- bad mistakes. When you actually look at the numbers with him, there are some weird things where it's like, oh, why is it when he actually throws the ball more, all of a sudden the turnovers go up? I'm not the biggest one. I'm not the biggest crack like none on turnovers as long as you because they don't. There there's something, not everything to me. Like you, I'm sure you all remember me at the beginning of the year. Talking about with, the, with Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence and all these guys' progressions, like let them make mistakes, you know, let them throw a bunch of picks. I don't give a shit. Just you have to, you know, figure out how to to you have to figure out how to navigate through some of those things. I, I just want to know, I want to know with with the with the Jags or with the the Cowboys, you know, what's going on with their defense? It, this was a defense that was one of the best in the league about a month ago. And all of a sudden, week by week, it feels like it's starting to deteriorate more and more. The pass rush is not what it used to be. Now, the Jags' all-offensive line is good. Some people are going to say it was bad, but they didn't generate much pressure against Houston, and their offensive line isn't good. They didn't generate pressure really at all against the Jags when the Jags were down 17. You knew they were going to have to throw a lot, and Lawrence just sat back there all day. Now, granted, I will say this too. Trevor Lawrence did make a lot of plays where he navigated pressure and you know, made some really great uh, throws, getting out of sacks, rolling out and throwing the ball. So he was able to, to take some stats away from the Cowboys defense by his play. But on the other end, the Dallas defense didn't generate enough pressure constantly, and their defensive backfield is not that good. <laughs> I think, listen, they created a boatload of turnovers against the Colts, and but that was one of the more weird, more weird. Like, I never. I I'm glad that I didn't. I think I don't think peop, too many people did. But I'm glad I didn't take too much from that Colts game because that game was 21 to 19 going into the fourth quarter, and then Matt Ryan threw them the ball five times in the fourth, and they had short fields and. It was just one of the more weird games of the season. It's kind of like the Lions game they played. The Lions were going in to take the lead. They didn't challenge. They ran the ball again and fumbled. when, And then and that was in the fourth quarter. And then all of a sudden, they lose 24-6 to or something like that. So, like, there's a couple games this year with Dallas where weird, weird shits happened in the fourth quarter. Um, I think they'll be fine. I think. I trust them to a degree. But, man, it's... Uh I don't know. I need to see something now. Sunday, they're going to play the Eagles without Jalen Hurts, and they'll probably win. If they don't win, I will be stunned, and we'll all feel good about him again. So that's a thing that that, that is good. But the, the problem is the Dallas Cowboys could have the highest ceiling in the league of the Super Bowl contenders, but they also probably have the lowest floor, and that's because sometimes they beat themselves. Moving on. Detroit and New York. The Jets and Lions. Again, I think we said this a few times. Who would have thought that going into week 14, a game between the Detroit Lions and the New York Jets would have been the premier playoff seeding game of the weekend? And it was, and it was high-level football, and the Lions were able to prove that they can win a game out of their element and find a way. Now, granted, they played the Jets without... I'm without Mike White, and there's some people, like, there's a guy I follow who's funny and witty and stuff, and he, I follow him a lot because college basketball, but he also has some takes on all sports. But he tries to make some points about Zach Wilson, and I just don't know what, like, is. does Zach Wilson have talent? Yes. Does Zach Wilson a better player than Mike White? Probably. But, dude, he cannot make the simple throws. He cannot make... The third, he can't convert the third and five. He can't hit the bubble screen at the as a checkdown out of the bat, or he can't the flare out of the backfield. To he can't hit the rail route down the sideline when you need to bust one uh, on a third and nine. He can make crazy, ridiculous, dumb plays because he's reckless. But at the end of the day, he just can't make the simple stuff happen enough, and that's a problem and they weren't able to do that on Sunday. There were too many moments where he just wasn't able to keep the ball in front of the chains and I wouldn't say that's what cost them. I think there were a multitude of things that cost them. I think the Lions almost gave it away at one point, but credit to them that they were able to answer that late drive. And the Jets Salah's going to be kicking himself because he should have he never should have been in the position to where he needed a timeout with 1 second left there. Because he went into the locker room, he 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 burned. He ate one. He ate a timeout. He t- he took it home with him, and that's he had three timeouts and two minutes left. And they got to the he had three timeouts and like minute fifty left, I guess. And he got to near midfield with still a minute to go, and they barely get ten more yards after that, and they run out of time because Salah didn't use any timeouts, and that's going to be something that is very very difficult to swallow. Now, the Lions are, I would say, I don't know about the front runners for the seven seed, but they're coming hot. Here's the thing. The fact that the Giants beat the Commanders last night kind of hurts them because Washington, I trust more to win games down the stretch. Granted, though, here's a plus. There's a couple plus for Detroit and we'll get to them, but I trust them to win more games down the stretch than. The Giants, however, Washington still has to play Philly. No, they got swept by Or they beat Philly the second time. <laughs> they still got to play. Do they play Dallas still? No, because Dallas plays. Yeah, they play Dallas week 18 in Washington. So they play Dallas still, but Dallas might rest people. They play the play the Colts already. They play the Niners this week, and that game is going to be rough. They're probably going to lose, though the Niners could be due. If the Commanders beat the, the Niners, we're going to have a Dink on our hands. There are a lot of, there's so many teams that are still alive. Like we had to un-eulogize the Jags because they're in it. Uh, we can't kill the Packers yet because they're technically still alive. We only have one team on the NFL eulogy's chopping block today, which is sad um, because I love murder as much as the next person. Um, it's just uh, a weird situation where you have all of these six and eight teams being still in the game. And I don't know. Very, very weird. Uh, let's take a look here at uh, some the standings. And who the teams play next. (coughs) So the Commanders, because the Giants this week play. God damn it. I forgot. Forgot who some of these teams play, man. Niners, Browns, Cowboys. Okay. That's Washington. And then the Giants, the Seahawks still got to play the Jets. They, go to, they get the Rams, but, the, but they get the Chiefs on Sunday. And I think the Chiefs will beat them. So, the Lions, if they win this week, they are going to pass Seattle. And I think the Lions play... Huh. Who the hell do the Lions play? The Lions play... Like, uh, the Lions play the Panthers. Got to keep winning. Lions... If the Lions went out, they should get in. Um, Giants play the Colts in two weeks. Um, they play the Vikings this week, and then they play the Eagles week seven, week eighteen. So the Giants could still lose out. They could finish eight eight and one. So the Giants are still in trouble. <laughs> That's for sure. But I will give the Giants credit. That was a really impressive resilient win against Washington, even though the end of that game was a complete fucking disaster. The Jahan Dotson not blocking to allow Heineke to score. Then the official, the line judge pretty much sabotaging Washington on purpose with not allowing McLaurin to get on the line and then the mispass interference call in the end zone which is just kind of bad you can't have that um so yeah washington if i was a washington fan i would be fucking furious with dotson he, he should get his ass beat for that and then after and he's a listen dotson dotson's been awesome this year but dude come on make a play there, bud uh Then the line judge for like, bro, do you have Giants money line? And then do you have Giants like alternate spread here that you can't fuck up? And then, uh, 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 like that, that pass interference, man. Like, you just that, that would keep me up at night. Okay. Couple crazy 3 p.m. games that ended in a weird way. <laughs> First, so the Bucks Bengals game was just weird. I'm pissed at that, that over hit. I mean, I guess it was never gonna hit, or the under never was gonna hit to a degree. But what was life? Uh, Bengals go down 17 nothing, then come storming all the way back. By the way, speaking of comebacks, the Vikings were not. They're not in the elite eight this week. They probably don't deserve to be. And we're not going to talk much about the. Uh, come back because I didn't really get to watch any of it. Your boy was busy on Saturday, so just that's being honest. The Bills-Dolphins game, from everything I've heard, was awesome. and some of the, I, I watched a good amount of the second half, but I'm pissed about it, so I haven't gone back to watch tape. Uh, and then the Browns-Ravens game, I'm happy Deshaun's looking better, and I'm hoping the Ravens lose out because I don't want them in the playoffs because they're kind of not good, but we'll... We will uh save some of that for later. Anywho, um these three PM games, Bucks go up seventeen to nothing. They actually do for the first time all year on offense, they actually are unpredictable. And then the second half, they have five drives, five turnovers, and the the Bengals just roll. Thirty four points in the second half. Uh they I think they didn't give up anything, or if they gave up one late cheap garbage time touchdown. Uh Bengals are good. Bengals are good. They they got lucky in a way. There was a 4th and goal or 4th and 3 when it was still 17-6 that or 17 to 12 where the Burrow took a dumbass sack where he lost like 30 yards and they got bailed out by a hold. So They got a bit lucky there, but regardless, they deserve to win. That second half was dominant. The Bucs continue to, you know, trip over their dicks. Problem, though, is the Bucs have three cakewalks to end the season, you would think, and uh, they should end the year on a three-game winning streak (coughs) in the dumbest and worst division in the NFL. Can we just not allow an NFC? Can we just allow the eight seed into the playoffs and not get the, like whoever the eight seed is, if their record is better than the Bucs, just let them in? I don't want the Bucks to make it, man. They're not fun television. They're really not. They are a boring team. They're just bad. Though that first half was something because they actually were different. I don't know. We'll see if that's something that's going to be sustainable. The The Chargers-Titans game, early on, uh, Tannehill goes down. Uh, Malik Willis is out running around all crazy, throwing bombs, but not being able to complete them because they have, like, like USFL receivers. They have like they have like what worse than C. They have JFL receivers, really, with Burks out and Woods out. Uh um, Derrick Henry was okay. And the game was very low scoring. Tannehill eventually comes back in. Both defenses are balling. The Chargers defense all of a sudden is is very stout. The Chargers offense continues to just put themselves in a four-yard phone booth, and all of a sudden, Justin Herbert, when needed, when called upon, like the Titans score, Justin Herbert had his first, uh, you left him too much time moment, 46 seconds left, the Titans score, they've got no timeouts, and Herbert just deals, because he's the baddest motherfucker alive when he needs to be, he's so good, man, he's so good. He is so fucking good. But then you have Emmanuel Acho's dumbass fucking out here talking about Salma. Spit the facts right here for you, brother. That wasn't even an Emmanuel Acho impersonation. He's just so fucking stupid. But uh, he fucking out here tweeting about Mike Williams being a high level player. Since when? College? You dumb son of a bitch. Um, Listen, Justin Herbert's the man and he's carrying a team full of ragtags that can't get out of their own way and there's a chance they might win out and who on i mean look listen teams aren't afraid of the chargers but if you let if you leave ten in the ball game long enough man good luck because you're playing you're dealing like you're playing russian roulette if you, you are in a close game with ten for Los Angeles. There is a chance he is going to grab the gun, load it up, put it in, put it in your forehead, and pull the trigger. That's what he's going to do. He's that good. Uh, what a win for the Chargers! And then, lastly, that Vegas <laughs> that Vegas Patriots game, the greatest ending in NFL history. Jacoby Myers, are you drunk? Mac Jones got absolutely pl- sent to Mars and Chandler Jones gets uh, a nice little walk off revenge on his boy, Bill. That was funny. I don't know if there's ever been a funnier game that or NFL ending than that. I, the Jacoby just turning and chucking the ball deep. I don't know what he was thinking. Uh, I wonder what Josh McDaniel said to uh, to uh, to his boy. Mac Jones after the game. Do you think he was saying, look, man, I feel bad for you. You're being coached by defensive coordinators. If you need me, just give me a call. I'll, we can talk. I'm here for you. Do you think he said something like that? I don't said something like that. I feel bad for Mac Jones, kind of. He's bad, but I mean, Patriots are a fucking trade wreck. Okay, we are going to take a break. We're going to come back and we're going to sing the Arizona Cardinal Swan song. We will do that next. Make sure you tune into For Frequency Sake on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch each Sunday during the football season, from 10 a.m. to 11:30 a.m. The boys from For Fantasy Sake will be bringing the fire, fantasy football takes, updating you on the week's rankings and injuries, and getting you ready for your fantasy football matchups each and every week. The show is interactive, so be sure to send your questions. You can find them at For Frequency Sake on Facebook at FFSQC on Twitter, or you can send them an email at ForFantasySake QC at gmail.com This episode is brought to you by The Corner Tap. Who doesn't need a solid handcuff on their fantasy squad? Grab a bite to eat at Clint's Draft House while watching the noon games, and then head on over across the Moline-Rock Island border to The Corner Tap for some libations during the 3 o'clock games. Every Sunday is fun day at the Corner Tap with $3 Tall Boys, Bloody Marys, Jack Daniels, and $2 PBR Drafts. Head into the Corner Tap, 4018 14th Avenue, Rock Island, and get into the end zone. Today's episode is brought to you by Cavanaugh's Hilltop Bar in Rock Island. It's the place to be every Sunday this football season. Barbecue Chris will be in the house every week smoking the place up with his amazing menu or mouth-watering barbecues. Cavies will have every game on inside and outside their numerous TV screens. Plus, you can play their adult video games, and they have the loosest slots around. Check out Cavanaugh's Hilltop Bar, 1228 30th Street in Rock Island. All right, we're back. I'm just uh <laughs> laughing my nuts off. Damn, he really beat Okada in the G1. Poor bastard. Pray for... Uh... Pray for pray for Bronson Reed. He ain't do nothing. He just he just chose the wrong thing. Professional wrestling's funny. All right. Time for another eulogy. Da-na-na, Let's all pray. Let's all pray. For the Arizona Cardinals. Their season has ended. We act we take one out of the uh, funeral home. We, we, you know, we, we we called it too early. We premature, premature death. They they are at the 11th hour. The Jacksonville Jaguars have awoken and left the, the cutting board and have been replaced by the Arizona Cardinals. Their season is over. Their eulogy as follows. So this season was an absolute disaster for the Arizona Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray. Uh, Steve Wilkes, all that or not Steve Wilkes, excuse me, Steve Kime. We hope Steve Kime's okay, but you know, there's a good chance that he's probably not gonna be, you know, he's just gonna kind of slowly fade away and no longer be the general manager of the team. Um it was a bad enough it was bad enough already, but now you pay Kyler this contract and Kyler's good, but you have all these moments where you you hate you don't like him. You obviously have things you want to throw in his way because you put these crazy, stupid public public embarrassing things or you release these things that embarrass him to the world about studying and video games and all that bullshit. And now he has a questionable year. Obviously him and the coach hate each other. Does the locker room not like him? It's a weird dynamic. And now he blows his knee out. In the beginning of December, and you're probably, he probably isn't going to play a meaningful snap for you next year because I, it's either going to be a Mike Fix situation where he's going to come back and it's going to be way too late, or, or it's going to be, uh, he's just not going to play a game next year because what's the point? So you have to now convince, there was a bit of injury with the job. Yeah, it's a mess, but listen, we're getting a new GM in here. You have a top 12 quarterback, potentially. You've got good weapons. You've got good roster. A decent, not a good roster, but like, you're way top heavy. Your 1 to 12 is solid. You've got new Hopkins, Hollywood Brown is good. Rondell Moore is coming into a good player. Zach Ertz is a good player when healthy. Um, You need to upgrade the line a bit, but your defense, JJ watt been playing well this year. You've got some good guys there. You have Isaiah Simmons, who's, who's a nice play piece, Byron Murphy, Buda Baker in your secondary. There's tr- there's stuff along the edges you have to figure out, but I, but the start you could do way worse. Now, your quarterback's a mess. Who knows who's all going to be dialed in? Who knows who's going to play quarterback for you next year? You can't go out and, ma- and get much because you're hamstrung cap wise. It's a fucking mess. It's a mess to be in and the Cardinals... Listen, I don't know what coach is gonna go, is just gonna bulldoze their way now to go get the Cardinals job. Not that many were going to anyway. But with Kyler out for the year next year, more than likely, you're probably guaranteed to not get uh to not be able to touch some of the elite hires. So that's rough. That's a rough thing for you. And if I was a Cardinals fan, I would be upset because that's rough. It's just a tough way to go about your life. You are you're, it's December, it's a, it's a December 19th, and you already know that next year's NFL season is basically going to be meaningless you're one of you're probably the only team in the league that feels that way right now because at least for teams like Houston, it's about developing players and whatnot tough tough man i feel i feel bad for you two degree uh take a quick break uh well some we'll do some some uh local big six stuff real quick next this episode is brought to you by Clint's Draft House Pizza and Grill in Moline and Davenport chase away your Sunday scaries at Clint's Draft House Pizza and Grill this season. Located in the Belgium neighborhood of Seventh Street in Moline, Clint's Draft House Pizza and Grill is home to some of the Quad City's best food and drink specials. On Sunday, there's no better place to be. Clint's is serving up 75 cent wings and four dollar Bloody Marys all day. And is your favorite team playing in those out-of-market games? Well, you'll never miss a second of the action on one of their 10 screens with NFL Sunday Ticket. And after you've had your wing and bloody fix, finish off your football watching experience with one of their famous Quad City Style Pot Pizzas. And folks, they know pizza. They've been spinning QC Style Pies for the last 22 years. So make Clint's part of your Sunday football routine... Clint's Draft House, Pizza and Grill, 7th Street in Moline. And also, Clint is now serving up their famous pizza and fried chicken on the Iowa side of the river as well. Clint's Pizza House and Chicken opens up daily at 4 p.m. so everyone in the Quad Cities can enjoy their QC-style pizza and Henny Penny fried chicken. That's Clint Pizza House and Chicken, 7th Street in Moline, and 1601 West 3rd Street in Davenport. In addition to bringing fire on the mic, the team at Four Frequency's Sake is still bringing it online as well. Check out ForFantasySakeQC.com this season for College DFS, Survivor League, and betting advice each and every week of this football season. Again, that is ForFantasySakeQC.com for College DFS, Survivor League, and betting advice each week during the football season. Three is a magic number, yes it is. Make sure you tune into For Frequency Sake on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch each Sunday during the football season from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. The boys from For Fantasy Sake will be bringing the fire fantasy football takes, updating you on the week's rankings and injuries, and getting you ready for your fantasy football matchups each and every week. The show is interactive, so be sure to send your questions. You can find them at For Frequency Sake on Facebook, at FFSQC on Twitter, or you can send them an email at ForFantasySake QC at gmail.com. Alright, back after the break. Um, there, Real quick, big weekend in Big Six basketball. We had the Illinois-Iowa shootout over the weekend. We also had um, the uh Game of the Year Early Potential, uh, Quincy and Moline. That was on Friday. So, I obviously, you know, know a thing or two about a thing or two. So, the game on Friday. I want to focus on the game on Friday and Saturday for Moline real quick before I get into a couple other things uh, uh, around the Big Six. So, for the Maroons, I think it's it's a nice it is nice when two wins against two state ranked teams, both with goals of going to their final four or final eight respectively, which is where their state tournament shindig is held. Quincy the final four, Pleasant Valley the, fi- the elite eight. And you win both games by double digits and it's unimpressive. Good thing. Um Moline was dealing with up, you know, we knew about the Freemans dealing with a uh the flu bug. Um seemed like that was something maybe that had gotten through to the team. They definitely didn't look like they had their legs on Friday and Saturday. They didn't have as much pace and pep in their step. Now I will give a lot of that of of uh credit to Quincy and Pleasant Valley because they their guards did a good good job of not turning the ball over. And if you can do that in itself and not just come down and burp up bad shots, that's where the game against Rocky exploded. Not that it would mean they were starting to avalanche, but it was 36 to 18. And then it was 55 to 20 in about two minutes because Rocky started going way too quick. They were turning the ball over. They came down and just started throwing up bad shots. Quincy and Pleasant Valley both came down. They protected the ball on Saturday night with the shot clock. Pleasant Valley was using some shot clock, getting good looks, and they were efficient in their offense. They were lower possession games, and I thought that they did a good job of not allowing Moline to get out and run. Now, there were small moments in the third quarter of each game. Moline was able to get out and stretch the lead to a bit, and it never got back down. Like once Moline got up eight on Quincy at the end of the third, or they, once they got up, I think six or seven against Quincy, I think the lowest it got back down to two was four. Then Moline scored four points right at the end of the third quarter and to get to eight. And it never got below that Moline jumped out to like a nine point lead quickly in the third quarter against against PV. And then it never got back under like six, the remainder of the game. (coughs) And uh I think it was two kind of off-ish nights for Freeman. Thought he was much better Friday than Saturday, but Saturday also would look better for him if he had some good looks early. He had like two looks on his first possession. They went to him. He spun to his right to get through like two or three guys, went up and the ball spun down and toilet bowled on him and popped out. I've never seen that for a layup where the ball spun in and out like that. Uh, He also missed a dunk where he took off from super far away, uh, which helped hurt the field goal percentage. The the positive note for them was their best player over the two games. I thought was Trey Taylor. He was the best guy for two games. And on Friday, he was great defensively offensively. In the beginning of the game, he was super active. I mean, the offense in the first half, the majority of the first half was Freeman and Taylor's and Freeman was great. And then Saturday as well. He was active. He was everywhere. Uh, His ability to be, he he can be, he's now so versatile. He can be in the dunker spot. He can be out in the wing and drive. He can facilitate the ball. He can go high post and get it down low to Owen. So there's a lot of different stuff that they're using now with him. And that's just going to continue to build and continue to build. Um, And I think they'll be fine. Like they're, uh, they're still on the shortest of lists for me when you look at 4A contenders, when you look at them. And uh, I think the other teams right now you'd have up there are Kenwood, Joliet West, St. Rita. Uh, that's Bowling Brook. They're a weird one. They're on a little bit of a slug, but they'll, they've got just some dudes. So, And they're hurt right now. Uh, but... Yeah, it's kind of the 4A landscape. And then obviously Quincy. Quincy's in the 4A landscape as well. Qu- people forget Quincy won a sectional title last year. And they not only did that, they took Bolingbrook to the limit, who lost in the Final Four to the team that won state. So, like, Quincy's idea is, listen, we think we can get back to there. We think we can probably go to the Final Four. We Why can't we compete for a state championship? So, like, they would have every right to believe that as well. And their style of play, they're going to be able to drag teams down to the muck with them because they're not going to get out and run and try to light you up. They're going to be a lower possession game and they're really good defensively with wires and long core and Brown around that perimeter of that zone. Uh, so that was what I thought from Olean. For some other teams in the Big Six, tough loss for UT on Friday. Back and forth game. Uh, and then they just kind of got rolled in the fourth, but The bounce back against West was really impressive. Uh, Back and forth first half, and then they just dominated the second half. Omarion Roberts was really good. Devontae Wright was able to hit some big shots. Uh, Bristol Lewis was quieter than I expected, but it was Omarion Roberts' game. He was sensational. He's probably been, I don't want to say the surprise player of the year because I've known he's been, I know he's good, but I didn't expect the leap from him to being, I mean, he's been, I think Bristol's great, but he's been their best player this year. Um, Omarion has been sensational, um, but they've got, they have the second best third best, I guess, maybe at worst big three in the league. If you look at Harding Freeman and Taylor or Harding Freeman and Welch, even I'm only just loaded because Braden's not even playing yet. They've got even and algebra, they've got like seven dudes, eight dudes who would all be (laughs) like, all of them would start on every team in the league, uh, But, like, outside of that, you've got Schilling, Austin, and Claver for Sterling, who's probably the second-best set of three in the league. Though, Longcore, Thomas, and Brown are pretty darn good also. They just don't have, like, the scoring punch uh, that Sterling and UT does. But, like, UT's really good. And... That was a really good win for them on Saturday. They go to Chuck Dayton now where if they struggled there last year, but if they can go there and get some wins, they're 9-2, and and they are very well in place to have some success in that and continue the season for them that has been really good. Um, You think of their two losses are two of the three best teams in the Big Six right now, and I think that, I mean, that Sterling game obviously was close. They, their only bad game they played this year was that game against Quincy where they couldn't hit shots. The fact that they're not so three point reliant this year is something that I enjoy with them because they just have so many more ways they can beat you and attack you. You're like, you can have a night where yeah, Caden Terrell can go play Riverdale and he'll hit his first eight threes, or and you can ha- or you can have a game against Sterling where Devontae Wright's getting going. Or you can have a game on uh against the where you can play a weird rough style defensive game and then have Bristol and Omarion take over in the fourth, and or against West where it's up and down the floor crazy pace for two quarters, and then Omar your defense takes over and Omarion dominates the second half. Like they have a lot of different ways. They're way more malleable than they have been. Like I said, probably since Trey and Deontay were there, uh, that the conference championship winning team from 2017. So pr- impressive stuff, and uh, they're a team to look out for. Rocky, a tough loss on Saturday, but they've kind of bounced back. They're really shorthanded. The fact that shorthanded they were, I know Normal Community is only two and whatever, but. That's still a tough team. It's a tough matchup because how good defensively they are. They're one of the best coach teams in the state. They have one of the best players in the state in uh, Gene Weber. Um, and Rocky was able to win that game. And they almost beat Bentendorf. Probably should have. Coach Bullites probably. That one's probably, he probably lost some sleep Saturday night. Um, feeling like that one kind of got away. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, they're just they're listen. They're going to be much better with. Um, I don't know about Tremel Aker's health coming back. We hope he can. He's a really good player, so I hope he can come back. But when they get KJ Lamont in the lineup, that's going to be a huge thing. It's going to take so much pressure off of Cameron Figs and Cameron Atkinson to try to because then Cam can kind of po- probably go into more of a catch and shoot or catch and one dribble pull up kind of guy instead of just having to generate so much as an isolation scorer. And Cameron Figs can be kind of a slasher instead of a ball-dominant guard. When Lamont comes back, he can be that because he is that. He's really, really good, man. He's one of the more talented guys I saw from an I- the Iowa side last year And some of the s- limited amount of times I've seen him. Um, I think he's going to fit really well in with Coach Polite's system and what they do. The problem was they just kinda ran out of gas to a to the old cliche against Bettendorf. Um and Caden Wilkins, I must say, much better than I saw him last year. He's so much more assertive. Uh and he's he's what people were saying about him being a like top fifty for top forty to fifty level prospect. Um Wilkins is really good. He would be You know, he could come, he would, he's, he's really good. Bettendorf is going to be able in the next two years go and play some meaningful games because of him. They have a nice, uh, nice little roster there with around him and he's very tough. He's a very good player. He's so much more assertive, obviously being a junior compared to last year uh, as a sophomore, like the year experience is, is a big thing in itself, but he is so much more, you know, Nose for the rim, understanding of when to be he just he's more comfortable taking over now than he was last year. I don't I don't feel like that was a thing with him. Compared to like what we saw with a guy like Joe Wieskamp, who his by his sophomore year, he was just I'm here, I'm going to take over this game. You cannot stop me. We Wilkins obviously isn't on that level. And Wieskamp was one of the greatest players I've ever seen. But uh Wilkins Definitely the third quarter, he was incredible. Like, they finally just started throwing hit ball to him in the high post and saying and emptying out the left side of the floor, and he just went to work. And that was very impressive. Um, Other Big Six stuff, you know, uh, I think it's going to be fun to see some of these holiday tournaments. Hopefully, Rocky can get KJ back for State Farm. Maybe there's some winnable games there for them. Be, I'm gonna definitely pay attention to UT at Chuck Dayton. I'm gonna pay attention to see how far Quincy can go in Collinsville. Last year, I think they finished third. Uh, they lost in the semis and Moline down in Pekin, Those are some tough games, but there's uh, there's a tough road. Those are the one seed, but and there's gonna be some fun ones. Like if they went out, like their road could be uh, second round against Lanfear, which would be a doozy. Um, they could possibly have you know if all high seeds go be like them and Morton in the semis which would be nice because Morton beat them last year uh probably the worst game only played last year was that game against Morton I think they shot like three for a billion from that from three uh and then uh possibly Mount Carmel in the final. Which would be nice because Mount Carmel's really good. And they got, I think they still got DeAndre Craig, who is a da 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 dog. I uh, saw some of the stuff from him last year with, that they were doing in peeking with him, and he was, who boy, he was something. All right, enough hoops talk. Let's talk uh, some of that good old football. So, enough bullshit. Let's get real, son. It's this week's NFL Week 15 Elite Eight. Number eight, the Detroit Lions. So, <coughs> uh, we're going to keep them at 8 like we said. This team a great job of proving to us that they could win a game where, you know, you're not playing in nice weather or at home in the dome. You're against a tough defense. They found a way to win. They had to change they had to change speeds and they were able to do that good win. They control they they pretty much control their own destiny. Uh well, I guess technically they do now because the com- Manders still have um, only seven wins, Um, and so yeah, as long as the Lions, the Lions technically will have to finish with more wins than them, I believe, because of the stupid tie, but they own tiebreakers with most of the teams in front of them, except for Seattle, but Seattle's probably going to start falling apart. Uh, number seven, the D- Dallas Cowboys. Um, Like I said, we're not going to be too worried about them yet. There's some stuff we're paying attention to. I think now on Sunday without Jalen Hurts, they're probably going to beat the Eagles. And then we'll all come back here after Chris or Saturday, I should say. We'll all come here Monday after Christmas um, uh, yeah. like oh ho ho ho, marry Dallas Cowboys, Dak marry Daxmas or some bullshit. I don't know. It'll be it's dumb. It makes no sense. But we're all gonna be fine once they beat the Jalen Hurtsless Eagles on Sunday or Saturday, uh, and all that. So number six, the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, go Chargers, go. The uh, the governor once said, um, I, I don't know what to do with this team anymore because I want to believe. I want to believe they are who I thought they were at the beginning of the season, but it took them a while to get going, but their schedule, though, is so easy to end the season that they really could end up 11-6 and six in, like, the 5. And if they're the 5 seed, they're going to play the AFC South champs, which could be Jacksonville. Could you, be, could you imagine? If we get Justin Herbert versus Trevor Lawrence in round one of the playoffs, my brain will explode because of how happy I will be. Um, I would much rather have then be the six because then the Jags could beat the Ravens or some shit. I don't know. Or the the, the Jags would have to play the, the Dolphins, which I guess, I don't know. I don't know what the Dolphins are going to do. The Dolphins might not make the playoffs, which if they don't, I'm probably going <sighs> to jump off the new I-74 bridge. Um, just kidding. Um, so, yeah, the Chargers, I think they're going to win out at least finish at worst finish 10 and 7 and if you get to that listen man they're either going to play if they somehow went out and get the 5 they're definitely winning in round 1 if they end up with like the 7 and they play like the chiefs in the wild card round again no team is going to roll up and be scared of the of the chargers but do you want to be in a close game late with number 10 on the other side I'm just going to ask that. The answer is no. If you you thought, by the way, I just thought of this. We could get Allen, Burrow, Herbert, and Mahomes in the divisional weekend against each other, man, in the AFC. That's the four best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. They're all in the AFC, and we might get them all together in the divisional round. How fucking special would that be? God damn. God damn, that's good. Okay, number five, the Buffalo Bills. Listen, the Bills have been very impressive. They're turning things around. They're winning in different ways. Um, the they found a way to win a tough game on on Saturday in weird conditions. Josh Allen is playing better. Saturday was probably the best game he's had. Do I dare say since the Chiefs game? That feels weird and mean, but it's the most plays he's made that were high level since then. Number four, the Cincinnati Bengals. They keep finding ways to win. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, weird game where they get down early, but they just keep chugging away. They force some turnovers, plus the Bucks kind of give them the ball a few times, and then they were able to take advantage of it. Very nice. Number three, The San Francisco 49ers. Best defense in the league. Best defense maybe I've ever seen. They're second and third level. They're they're all three levels. They're so fast. They're so dominant. Purdy has been good enough. He was... Don't let anybody tell you he was all-world. I know he started like 12-12 or something like that on... Thursday against Seattle. Don't let anybody sit there and try to tell you that he was this incredible performance on Sunday or Saturday or Thursday, wherever the, fuck the game was. He was okay. And they won. And I, I it's, he wasn't bad at all. I'm he's going to have to make, they, they just got to hope he makes a few plays and doesn't kill them. He hasn't done that yet. He is good. He, I will say this. He's good. he's, He's. I feel like I'm dragging him, and I'm not trying to. I just don't want to. People are going to try to to waver like and blow their expectations out of the water with him way too much, and then all of a sudden we're going to expect things from him that we shouldn't. Um, and I'm not trying to do that. He's just got to steer the car and not drive it off the map. And they'll find they could win the Super Bowl that way it's ne- they're never it's never going to be pretty they're probably never going to blow anyone out unless they score 20 points and their defense just doesn't allow anything which could happen their defense is kind of amazing number 2 the Kansas City Chiefs Patrick Mahomes probably locked up the MVP yesterday Jalen Hurts will not play another game uh will probably miss a week or two Mahomes had 20 straight completions Mahomes had the greatest completion percentage in a game for anyone who threw over 40 times. He was awesome. 36 for 41. Kind of good. Kind of good for those that care. He was ridiculous uh, and found ways and they found a way to win. I don't care that it was an overtime game against Houston. Houston's out here. They're a bunch of pros. They're trying to to win games like this, and they almost did. And then they kind of called in the tank job again, just like they did a week prior against Dallas. Uh, and number one, the Philadelphia Eagles. Good uh, good job of winning ugly again uh, against Chicago. I, I will say the Chicago played their best game of the year defensively, like literally um, probably since the Niners game in week one. Uh, Jalen Johnson was awesome. He ended up getting hit by he ended up getting beat by Brown late in the game, but Jalen Johnson, that was fucking great. He was great. Uh, the Bears defensive backfield is really good um and the eagles found ways to to get it done um justin fields was great but hey listen this isn't about the bears it's about the eagles i just wanted to throw those things out there uh, oddly enough the bears or the eagles o-line couldn't win enough against the ba- the bears d-line I don't, wouldn't say that's a concern. Again, I would just kind of say the Bears were due for kind of a they, – they had been getting torched so much that they were kind of due for an above – a positive regression game on the offensive end, and they got one. So – or the defensive end, and they got one. So um, Eagles found a way to win, and that's all I care about. So Eagles 1, Chiefs 2, Niners 3, Bengals 4, Bills 5. Chargers 6, Cowboys 7, Lions at 8. The NFL Elite 8 for Week 15. That's going to do it. I'm very tired. It's past my bedtime. I'm still a sick boy, but we're about to feel better. Tomorrow night, we will be live on you, on here yet again. for. Uh, we're going to do the Sinister 6. Nick will be with us. We're going to do an early version of that. And then... Throughout the week, I don't know what we're going to do. We might do a a Christmas Eve show early. If none of the guys want to do one, I might hop on here and and give some stuff. Or maybe just me and DJ, we will see. Going to have to figure some stuff out with that, and we'll talk with him about it. So regardless, we're getting out of here. This has been the Educating Nerds Podcast. If you ain't got your game, you best pass the sticks. As always, thank you for listening. We'll see you guys tomorrow night live. We'll have more on potential weekend live shows. All that and more. Then, route.